Hello and welcome to Criticism is Dead, a weekly culture podcast about what we're watching and what it all means, if it means anything at all. <laughs> I'm Helen Keskin Liu, a producer and writer. I'm Jenny Chijang, a culture writer and critic. And this week we're discussing Scenes from a Marriage and The Harder They Fall, two recent-ish works that have had mixed critical reception that we think are worth exploring. Yeah, and mixed audience reception too. I've yeah, been, I've been on the Twitter streets, so I've been seeing the feedback, it's all... <laughs> It's all very mixed. Yeah, things that have... I mean, there's always, like, stuff to explore kind of in the the things that are kind of in the in-between and the gray areas we love the gray areas it's yes. where we live yeah anyway how's your week been love my week has been okay uh yeah. i got my booster shot hell yeah yeah and i don't know but i guess like it's kind of like a coin toss whether or not you'll have any reaction to it but mm. i definitely did i got the, oh. the fever the chills the fatigue <gasps> uh, all of that stuff um wow for just like 24 hours and then bam this morning good as new it's lovely so weird so funny modern medicine is really truly a marvel but yeah how have you been Pellen? i am good i went to go see licorice pizza this week which is paul thomas anderson's latest film oh and, and you, you told me um didn't you that, you that you saw a special yeah man. someone in the audience right some the the white the white lotus alumni quinn the son <laughs> from I White forgot, Lotus. Yeah, I forgot what the actor's name is. Um, he was um, in the Underground Railroad too. He was and I, I did not clock him, but it's Fred he- it's he- it's either Hetching- Hetchinger or Heckinger. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, Fred uh, Fred Freddy boy was standing in line in front of us and then uh my favorite part is that after we left, like me and my husband and my friend, we went to Dallas BBQ because it's at the SVA in New York. Mm-hmm. So we went around the corner, went to the Dallas BBQ and he was like going there with with his friend as oh. well so he's a real one yeah, yeah man he knows it. he knows about bbqs are you kidding oh me God. bbq fucking bangs um the small king yeah he very <laughs> he is actually small and i'm glad i was right about that um <laughs> but yeah the film was great i've got to say just quick aside for yeah. any uh, for any Haim fans elena Haim is incredible in this film like oh, she's so good, good to know. yeah this is she's her first, really, really good. Uh, first acting it right yeah dude yeah, and she fucking crushed it. Yeah, that's been my week, man. I've nice. just been just been So chilling. in terms of uh, content for this show, what yeah. did you watch this week, Ellen? So my pick this week is Scenes from a Marriage. Mm-hmm. And I know that we're a little bit late on the game with this because, it, you know, it's a five-part miniseries and the last episode aired a couple weeks back. But honestly, I just haven't had the time to watch that much new TV and I've wanted to talk about this. I just felt that my time has passed, but now never I, too late. Uh, never too never late. Too late. We're circling back. We're circling back. So, scenes from marriage is on HBO slash HBO Max, and it was created by Hagai Levy, who boasts, you know, several series such as Betipil, which is as an Israeli series that became HBO's in treatment when it was adapted for the US. Oh, yeah. I yeah, could definitely that- see like traces of mm-hmm. at least in treatment and scenes from marriage. I was like, oh, this reminds me. Yeah. Like some sort of similar lineage. Yeah. So in treatment, if you don't know, it's about a therapist and his clients. And it's basically in his in his room where he gives them treatment. And it very rarely kind of strays out of it. So it's very contained and it's two people talking in a room. So you can see how the format uh, matches scenes for a marriage. But they had married couples on that show as well. So, you know, I feel like it's a natural progression for Levy. He's also the responsible for the affair on Showtime. So he also loves mess 
when it comes to marriage. I never watched The Affair. Were you into The Affair? It was a very stacked Mm-mm. cast. Yeah, I never got into it. Anyway, so for those that don't know the significance of Scenes for a Marriage, aside from this being another one of Levy's projects, it's an adaptation of Ingmar Bergman, the Swedish director's original 1973 TV series that aired in Sweden. That was also called Scenes for a Marriage. It starred Liv Ullman and Erland Josefsson. And um, apparently, <laughs> allegedly, it led to a huge spike in divorce rates in Sweden after it aired. <laughs> but obviously, there's no way you can actually measure that. It's just, um, I don't know, it's like a myth. So what's interesting about Bergman's is it was the first time like a film director turned to TV. So he was like way ahead of his time because now that's what's happening like decades later. But the most interesting part was um, Liv Ullman and Erland Josefsson's relationship as the married couple and I'll, I'll explain it a little bit after we talk about our modern adaptation stars so jessica chastain and oscar isaac are playing the married couple they play mira and jonathan who live in massachusetts with their toddler daughter mira works in tech and jonathan is a professor and the reason why this is interesting is because the roles have been reversed in the original Liv ullman's character plays a therapist and um, Erlen Josephson's character is the breadwinner. He's he's the one that earns the more money and he's the more like, he's a busier one, essentially. Mm. So we have gender swapped. And I think this is probably a huge strength. It's my favorite thing about that adaptation. Sometimes gender swaps can be a little bit annoying, but I think it works really perfectly in this like heteronormative relationship mm-hmm. setting. So... <laughs> If we talked about this back when it was like about to come out, the PR buzz was insane, both before and after, I would say, because it started off with, was it the Emmys? I don't know what red carpet they were at. Oh, where they had that moment. That, oh, I mean, that honestly was worth four of these episodes out of five. (laughs) Um, But it's basically, they're on a red carpet somewhere, uh, Oscar Isaac and Jessica Chastain, and they're friends. Um, But Oscar Isaac being the whore that he is, he looks at her and grabs her arm and kisses the crease of her arm while looking directly into her eyes and it's the most romantic fucking moment (laughs) um and i think there was like a whole buzz about oscar isaac's wife like right off to the side looking off to the side just watching (laughs) and you know some people were like i would kill him if i was her and some people are like she's living the life like (laughs) um i'm of the the lad camp so you know if i if i had oscar isaac as a husband and I just kind of feel like these people are just like, they're just having threesomes all the time. So <laughs> if Jessica's getting involved, because Jessica's married too, like who fucking cares, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was happening. And then when the series ended, there was actually the costume designer posted a couple pictures of dressing up the Mira and Jonathan characters. And she posted Oscar Isaac in a whole bunch of like very excellent garms, I've got to say, that I would mm. buy all of. Like I would buy everything that he is wearing and wear it for myself. Uh, but Oscar Isaac looked incredible because he's wearing like, you know, beams and fucking, yeah, just looking great. So there's been buzz. There's been buzz around it and screen grabs and of, of like sex, sex scenes, some, a couple of sex scenes in this that I don't know if I would say that they're sexy necessarily, but it's always good to imagine what Oscar Isaac would be doing in bed. So, <laughs> you know, um, so how many episodes have you watched so far? So after you told me this is your pick, uh, I actually went and watched all of them, which what? I didn't think I was going to accomplish, but I managed it. And Yo. I was lagging a little bit at the end, like a little bit of fatigue setting in, but yeah, so I got through it. Because I did tell you that it's a bit <laughs> yeah. much to watch it back yeah. to back. Yeah. Like I, we, it, This was a weekly release, 
So I was watching it week to week and I was just thinking as in the middle of me watching it week to week, I was thinking like, if I had to watch this back to back, I would be exhausted. Yeah. I mean, it's a good thing. This was like yesterday when I was basically lying uh, prone on the couch and not moving. Oh, yeah, so, fair enough. You know, just yeah. had it on. And but yeah, it was it's it's like I do think you'd get more uh, space to reflect on the episodes week to mm-hmm. week. But also, I, I will say like there is a kind of benefit to watching it all in one go, which is how yeah. you, you can like track the the developments and the changes and the shifts you know episode to episode or it becomes a much clearer picture uh delivered all at once but yeah yeah you might need some i don't know some like medication to to get through all of it oh yeah like if you thought that argument in marriage story was a lot uh buddy i've got something to tell you about this um yeah what was your i guess i just i just have to go in and ask you what was your what do you think (laughs) it's a really it's kind of a hard series to to pin down my opinion on i mean Mm. i can see why some of the critical reaction like reception has been mixed i myself Mm -hmm. feel a little bit torn Mm. i think there are elements that i thought worked really really well Mm. um some some critics i think have remarked like oh i don't see why this has to exist like as an adaptation i don't really agree Mm. with that i think it has merit enough to stand on its own yes um but i will say like especially towards the end it became exhausting to watch it in a sense for me and especially the last episode i don't think i really liked where it went but also Mm. you know i could see the merits of them being like choosing to go in that direction so it's not a show that i think i like particularly had fun watching at all (laughs) but no 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 it's it's definitely not an enjoyment thing yeah but like is it worth it like is it you know does it stand on its own does it like say something does it provide some kind of uh you know emotional clarity or or something like that yeah i think it it does offer at least some of that yeah and you know the backdrop of this is that it was created in the pandemic the biggest critical split i found is with the scenes at the beginning um, of the episodes uh, yeah what are they called like uh, cinema verite or something yeah yeah so it basically films the set because the house is a is a set and um it films the stars i don't know moving from like the makeup room or like some from some other part of the set into this into the set with like the pas and the runners going around them and someone asking them if they want to have lunch and then uh the next scene is the beginning of the you know the the episode so some people love it some people don't this was apparently a last minute decision by levy and for him the reasoning was you know this is a tv show but it is universal like a lot of these issues that they're arguing about a lot of people can kind of relate to what did you think of it did you like that or not Uh, i mean i don't care either way like because i think there was one critic that says the whole point of it is that we feel like we can relate to these characters as if they're real and these scenes at the beginning kind of take us out of that that's not what it takes for me to be taken out of it. I still mm-hmm. can believe dialogue because I believe that real people have written these lines and, and have written this script. And I think there's truth in that and there's truth in emotion. So yeah, I don't, I don't really care for it either way. What did you think of the performances? Because when you put two people in a room and they are having an intense emotional argument, the, the thing that you really have to make sure is good is the acting because that's basically all you're relying on yeah um what did you think of the two of them was there a favorite for you did you like jessica more than oscar or 
Well, the acting is by far the standout of this whole production, mm-hmm. I think, in my opinion. It really does rely wholly on their their ability to emote, to evoke these these nuances, to yeah. show re- connection and chemistry with each other and make it believable as to like why these people are stuck in this dance. Uh, and I thought the ac- acting was outstanding. As for a favorite, I don't know. I think I, I liked Oscar Isaac's performance more. Mm-hmm. Partly because of the way the character is written. I thought Jessica's character, she performed it, you know, really fantastically. She is the fantastic actress. But I don't know whether it was a deliberate choice or not, but it was just really hard to get a read on her character uh, because Mm. of how she was written. And Mm. so, you know, as a personal preference, I, I was more into Oscar Isaac's performance. But, you know, I could definitely see where Jessica did the absolute best with what she was given. Yeah, so... Let's talk about Jessica's character, Mira. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of feedback from audiences have just been taken aback by the nature of her character. Because mm-hmm. she, in the original, the husband has an affair. And in this, she has an affair. And I think a lot of people struggle with how... Yeah, I think that what you're saying is that she's a bit of a black box. You don't really understand what's going on. You just see the reactions of what's coming out. Mm-hmm. And I think most people were struggling with the fact that she's, you know, quote unquote, like cold t- towards her husband. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people are like struggling with that. Yeah, because it's like she is written in a way that I think the vast majority of people are watching this. Like most people who consider themselves like reasonable viewers, they are going to come away in at least uh, from these initial episodes uh, where, you know, she reveals the affair. They're going to come away thinking like, what a stone cold bitch and that is like the way it's written to evoke this reaction to evoke this kind of attitude towards this character because i mean i i was like this is a this lady is a monster but it's then yeah it raises the questions of like were they basically hoping to you know get those reactions out of people are they hoping to make you question your reaction yeah yeah by especially with the gender swapping and like thinking okay this is a woman who's doing it does that make it more unacceptable does that make my reaction more visceral all of which are are valid questions but also i was like oh god this lady is unspeakably cruel in this way yeah and i've i'm here to defend mira basically i i I picked this because i want to defend mira Mm -hmm. i do think she's cruel but i think that a marriage like this can lead to cruelty and i think that's the takeaway like yeah. two people that are very good to one another and have had the practice of being being very good to one another. If you don't deal with the piling on of issues, like of emotional issues that are happening, no matter what cruelty is to be expected, because it has to come out some way. So if it's not coming out in a communicative, understanding kind of way something is going to come out and for the most part it's through frustration resentment burden these are these are all universal like issues with regards to marriage long-term relationships you know so mira as a character to me was incredibly relatable because i think not that i'm trying to like cheat on my husband or anything but relatable in the (laughs) sense that the the performance in episode two and and the things that happen in episode two is it's my favorite episode out of the whole batch of them and I like I like all of them but that to me was incredible because you see Mira and I think Jessica Chastain is probably the best in this episode as well um mm-hmm. 
because I do overall I do prefer prefer Oscar Isaac's performance but in episode two Jessica Chastain is incredible and it's because you see the the wheels are turning through her face in her eyes you know she can't take it anymore she can't like physically and yeah those bursts of frustration and emotion yeah and she's like she feels suffocated and you can see it on her face how she feels suffocated and I think that's very real. And I think that can lead people to affairs. I think that can lead people. I, I mean, that's like the whole thing. Like if you, <laughs> you know, if you're an Esther Perel fan, like I am, like, you know, that like, for the most part, affairs are not necessarily because you don't love your partner. It's because you just, uh, you're frustrated with something and you don't know how to fix it. And so you fix it elsewhere with somebody else. What I really like about this gender swap and what I really like about Mira as a character is that sometimes like it's not every day (laughs) um women just take the hit for a relationship not working with regards to um (laughs) with regards to not feeling passion not feeling attention feeling burdened by somebody else's issues you know i don't advocate for cheating on your partner but the fact that she showed something and took control of her life was why I like Mira and why I like how it played out. Do, it does it suck for Jonathan, absolutely, but I feel like some things are kind of necessary to happen, um, and I think this was probably one of them. And obviously, you know, in the in the grand scheme of things, it would have been nice if they could just talk about it and fix it and figure it out that way. But I think for Mira, it had gotten to the point that that was pointless. Um, yeah, and that's real. That's my thing about the critics, like the, the the audience reaction, the critical feedback to this with regards to like, this is, I mean, it is exhausting. That's why, you know, that's why I told you to watch it with space because it's, you just don't want to, if you've ever been in a long-term relationship, like uh, argument, it's always exhausting. So to watch five hours of somebody else, you know, some fictional couple going through it, it's exhausting. However, I just think that there is a reality and an undercurrent of reality that is threaded throughout every single scene in this that a lot of people have to watch. I really think you should watch it if you're thinking about getting married. (laughs) Like, not that this is how your relationship is going to go, but just these are the different facets of it. Because relationship takes work. Because you're dealing with two personalities. You're dealing with two traumas, two emotional backgrounds, and you're putting them together, and you're essentially building a house. And most people build a very shaky foundation of a house. And they Mm -hmm. just hope that the cracks don't show later. This show is about how the cracks fucking show. No matter how intelligent, how progressive a couple can be, it can result in something as messy as this, you know? So Yeah. I just wish they had more... Throughout the first four episodes, it paints Mira into a corner of people are going to come away thinking that she is terrible um, in a lot of ways. Yeah. You know, Oscar Isaac's character is... Jonathan is, oh, like, what a poor schlub. Like, in... I wish there was a little more balance in the writing where you you're not going to have like a in a lot of most cases like a natural reaction to side with yeah you know oh poor poor dude uh one way or another and they're just like the the capriciousness of Mira's character and how, yeah no because yeah no because because with Mira she is the reasoning for that is that she doesn't know how to deal with her like she just kind of puts them in a box and kind of doesn't deal with them whereas Jonathan feels a little bit too much. And that discrepancy is kind of where the imbalance has led. I do, I agree with you. I do wish that we were given a little bit more background into her because Jonathan's character is given a lot of depth that maybe she isn't offered. Mm -hmm. Like, I think she gets a couple of minutes 
context as to how she is the way that she is whereas jonathan like he's a former orthodox jew who is you know the way that religion works for him in terms of his relationship with mira the way that you know he dealt with that growing up he's given a lot of time he's given a lot of backstory yes and we don't really know anything about mira really we just kind of know her from the college onwards when they met Mm -hmm. you know um which yeah i agree I, i i would have liked a little bit more about mira the thing is like when I was watching this with my husband, like when the when episode two and three was happening, he kept being like, this isn't real. Like, she's not real. She would not do this. Like, this feels far fetched. <laughs> and I was there being like, no, this can happen. And I, I think I was coming at it from a place of like empathy because I'm always going to I don't know. This is maybe my bias. I'm always going to empathize with the woman, you know, mm. Um let me tell you, like, just anybody that wants to be in a relationship with men, like, no matter how well-meaning, there are issues that will come up that no one's necessarily bad, but it can result in something calcified. And I think that jo- Jonathan is case in point of that. So I was, like, empathizing with Mira a lot. Mm-hmm. Whether or not I got the backstory, I, I just, I feel like Jessica Chastain kind of sold it to me and the script kind of sold it to me. But yeah, I again, I, I was... I was just like looking for it and maybe some people weren't. So I don't know. How do you, in general, how do you feel about people talking in rooms as like a format of TV and film? Not the most thrilled with it, to be honest. Um, <laughs> yeah. I thought it, it worked here because the, the house is such a important part of their relationship and such a, mm. a kind of symbol of where they stand and their, their history with each other. And yeah, yeah, the show is really smart about even in like the lingering um, shots while the credits start to play for each episode of mm-hmm. just the physicality of the space and the mm-hmm. objects that they and this this place where they inhabit. Uh, the show is really good about using space and things like that in, yeah. in talking about their their marriage and their relationship. So yeah. I didn't mind it as much as much here. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How did you? I know that you mentioned about how it ends, but. You know, I guess as as spoiler free as we can keep it, but you know, if you don't want to hear it, just skip ahead. What did you think about how it resolved? That is probably the thing that left me the most uh, torn about the whole thing. Mm. I think, um, yeah, and maybe part of it is just like from an expectation of some kind of you know, traditionally you would see something like akin to character growth or development or something mm-hmm. like this, and here it you know it shows how they have grown apart and back into each other in a way that is i think really interesting but Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. for me personally i was i don't know i i can appreciate that i think it was like a a smart or at least uh interesting way to end things Mm -hmm. because it shows how two people can gravitate back towards each other uh, over and over again and they just can't quit a relationship that maybe once was toxic now is like a saving grace for for both of them but yeah i don't know i was like personally disappointed like outside the admiration for the craft that it took i was just like personally uh frustrated or just disappointed with like what yeah. happened with uh oscar isaac's character yes yeah i was very disappointed in jonathan but again like this is like probably what they meant to do so yeah I and uh, yeah at the same sense. time i can't fault him like what is yeah. that to fault yeah, I I also think that this was a smart way to end it because, again, there's no real fantasy in it. And there's no real fantasy. Like, fantasy as as a thing is completely absent in this world. 
the only fantastical element is obviously like you go into a set and then suddenly a world is is created mm-hmm. um and and these two char- these two fictional characters come to life that's fantastical for sure but the fact that that ending was the way that it was i think matched it i think even though we would have wanted i don't know like two character developed and people that have kind of grown older and wiser and like coming back to one another is nice i think it just would have felt a bit awkward compared to the rest of the episodes preceding it so i think i would have wanted them to just stay split is yeah what my hope was yeah uh, in terms of both you know personal yeah viewing journey and also like craft yeah um, but you know listen if i was jonathan's ex i don't know <laughs> dude i don't know if, if i could quit that that easily (laughs) so i kind of get it for mira i'm like she can't and that's the thing is like by episode three you're like oh yeah she misses the old thing she Mm -hmm. misses the old thing and i get it he's gorgeous um again like it's all complicated and i think that's why i liked it it was like it's very it's they grow in some ways they don't in others and that's kind of how humans are (laughs) um was there any uh, particular scene that has stayed with you or anything that you want to kind of give a shout out to? Anything that really did it for you? Well, maybe because of recency bias, uh, since I just finished this last, last night. But uh, yeah, when they're in the house, they come together, they fall apart. They mm-hmm. just the, the back and forth of that is that was r- really intense. And especially yeah. the way it uh, sort of culminated in this fight of sorts yeah. like uh, a physical like fight physical yeah. yeah physical fight yeah that's a, that's a good one i think the one that has really stuck with me and i think this is just a personality projection thing is the end of episode one where oh in the hospital yeah and the scene before that is them discussing if they should have a second baby they decide that they should but then the next scene cuts to her in the hospital um having a medical yeah, having a medical abortion yeah and um her being left alone like she wanted to be alone yeah i mean like tmi for me i'm very on the fence about having kids and i think that really stayed with me because in in the uh, in the in the discussion before it you see how she doesn't really want to but she sees how happy it makes him um and i think her not wanting to be around him in the hospital and then just wanting to be alone because you're she's dealing with the fact that she said no to someone that really wanted something you know and she's the only one that could give it to them at that point just her kind of wanting to be alone and then like pulling the covers over her head and and crying it will stay with me forever and i think that's like you know we see abortion on screen especially in recent years that are a little bit more honest about the reality and like even showcasing abortion is so much more common now more than it was like 10 years ago but this is probably one of my favorite scenes because you're dealing with a married woman who already has a kid but it's not necessarily the whole like my body my choice argument is not really there it's more the emotional decision that comes to something like that and how fraught it can be and how hard it can be um so that really that really stuck with me a lot a lot a lot um I just want to give, before we're done talking, I just want to give a huge shout out to Nicole Bahari, a favorite of this podcast. She has an incredible, incredible scene stealing performance in the first episode as well. Just, (laughs) she's so good. She's so good. That's it. Yeah, if you guys want something that's a bit like, it's going to wreck you emotionally, it's a bit of like an interpersonal mess and you love to watch interpersonal mess, um, I highly recommend this. If you want something that's a little bit more enjoyable and a little bit less like 
you know, going to make you spiral out about your own relationship or something like that, I would, I would avoid it. Um, but I, I'm, I love to stare into the mess and I love to stare into all the fuckery and all the complicated parts of relationships. So this was extremely up my alley. So for this week, Jenny, your pick is. So this week I watched The Harder They Fall, which is on Netflix. This is a new uh, black Western film directed and co-written by James Samuel, who is actually a British musician and producer, otherwise known as The Bullets. I don't know if oh. you know, you're familiar with uh, his music villain. No. Okay. Well, there you go. Um, you can, I mean, it's, younger- <laughs> it's, not, it's no offense to him. I'm just like, I don't think I have listened to any music past 2007. So oh, that's, that's kind of where that's I'm very at. Good taste. Yeah. Um, so he's also the younger brother of Seal, just as a fun oh. fact. Yeah. Um, so in this movie, uh, basically the characters are supposed to be based on real figures from the 19th century American West, uh, but kind of remixed into a totally fictional story. We have, as a brief summary, Nat Love, played by Jonathan Majors, um, whose parents are killed by outlaw Rufus Buck, played by Idris Elba when he was young. And he is on a quest for revenge against Buck and his gang, um, who are made up of Trudy, played by Regina King, and Cherokee Bill, played by Lakeith Stanfield. And that love is helped along by his own crew, uh, which consists of several different people, uh, notably, I think, his love interest, Stagecoach Mary, Zazie Beats, um, and then several others. Mm. So the concept of this whole thing, I think, could have been really interesting. You take the Western, which in popular imagination is so dominated by this misconception that the genre and the real life inspiration were very white when that's not the case. A lot of cowboys, probably most cowboys were black or, uh, you know, native or Mexican or, you know, mixed throughout all those different non-white races and ethnicities. Mm -hmm. So, so take that and you subvert it with an entirely black cast and this, idea of what it means to be an outlaw to go outside of these normal like lawful white institutions and to claim a refuge for black people in the west Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. all like there's so much potential in that idea but unfortunately uh i think palin you and i both agree that this movie is a lot of style over substance yes i had many high hopes going into this um Mm -hmm. I have to preface this by saying that I'm not a big fan of Westerns. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I don't know. I think that just might be my demographic. Like, I'm uh, an immigrant British kid. Yeah, I'm not, like, I didn't grow up in the 60s and I'm not a white guy. Yeah, So and the American sort of uh, mythos of you know the west yeah i didn't don't really have much context for that i think my parents were really into western again it's more their generation than mine but um Mm -hmm. yeah not for me so yeah there's a smallness to this like it feels very small before we get into that though was there anything that you did like about it in terms of any performances or any scenes that that really did it for you well i thought there were elements that were really fun um which ultimately you know, prompted me to to choose this for this week's pick out of a few different options that I was weighing. Yeah. Um, like, I had definitely had problems, but there were parts that actually made it kind of like a thrill ride, in a sense, to, yeah. to hop along with. Yeah. And I think a lot of that is owed to the fact that, or a sense at least, you get that, that James Samuel was 
really having the time of his life while making this movie. Um, so I love a lot of the anachronistic elements. Like you get the dialogue, you get the soundtrack, which is amazing. You know, the soundtrack pulls together hip hop, reggae, uh, all these different genres of, uh, a lot like typically black music Mm -hmm. and then as well as orchestral music that, uh, much of it was composed by Samuels himself, Mm -hmm. who of course made music a big part of the script. And also as a side note, Jay-Z, uh, is an EP on this film. Yes. There are those elements. This is like sense of joyful chaos. I think probably some people will like the action scenes because there are a lot of like choreographed gunfights. I did not like those and mm. of course i don't like most uh gunfights but yeah uh those ones are really i not even gratuitous maybe gratuitously bloody and very frequent but they at least contributed some sense i, I guess to the high octane like nature of this film so yeah they're definitely like smaller elements that i was like really into most of all the the soundtrack and just like the anachronisms but there are a lot of things that did not work in spite of the all-star cast, which yeah. like this cast is, this is a dream cast for a lot of directors. Yeah. And it's a real shame that this cast got saddled with this story. Um, gratuitous is really the word. I think mm-hmm. it's really the word that kind of sums up my problem with it. The yeah. confrontations, there's too many confrontations. And I know that yes. this is a Western. And I know that guns are everywhere, but You really do have to, I I really personally think that with regards to a confrontational scene, it creates drama. And so you have to be very, you you have to be very deliberate in how you pick them. And I think there just wasn't any, it it was just like every single scene had to be a confrontation. For for fun, more or less. Yeah, it didn't serve as much narrative or uh, developmental purpose. Every confrontation led to a death. Like, really? Like, you're telling me that nobody could just be like, just put the gun away for this point. Like nobody shows restraint. Um, in terms of the character development of the antagonist, I didn't like it. Um, he just seems to be a brooding person in the background. Um, yeah, he until... wasn't given much to do, which is kind of a shock because if you have if you have Idris Elva playing like the big baddie, yeah, why is you he should make full use of that? Yeah, why is he just moping around in the house waiting for somebody to come to him? incredibly yeah. pointless incredible waste of a character slash performer yeah um regina the, king was uh, she's the she's the light well. of it yeah truly she's the crown jewel in this film her performance was the most nuanced like if there was to be an antagonist i thought she was a much stronger antagonist than idris elba who was meant to be yeah. the big baddie you know yeah he's the final didn't, boss didn't do much right but yeah the characters are like pretty two-dimensional they don't really take anything historical into account like for a story that's ostensibly based on real figures and wants to do them some kind of justice yeah and introduce them to an audience that has maybe largely been ignorant of real black figures in the west yeah uh you don't really get any sense of the real history of any of these people or like why they're all here what they're doing like who are like they might as well be made up characters because they are (laughs) yeah so um yeah. I completely agree. I have a I said that I don't really like westerns. There's not really much that I like, but this film made me think a lot of the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. I really like that western. And the reason and that's about a bunch of bandits as well. The reason why I like that film is because it has figured out what it's trying to say and the universality of this particular story about these bandits. I don't know if Harder They Fall has figured out what that is about. Like 
I don't think they figured out how these people have come together. What is the emotional drive other than, yeah. you know, revenge for our protagonist? Like, it's it's a very, uh, that's not enough. Like, you need yeah. a little bit more. You know, the, the, the context in which they have decided to choose this life over any other and, like, showcase some scenes about it. You can't right. just assume that people, you can't just assume that it's like, well, they're taking control in a way through crime yeah sure okay but like what does that mean what does their emotional journey mean yeah and they you know they start to allude to something like that like a a larger theme or this idea of redwood city which is of course the city that uh rufus bucks gang they it was theirs they want to take it back which is like it almost an entirely black settlement and you know the idea that could have happened is like this this larger question of like what does it mean to build a black utopia in this uh, in this country, yes. in this environment, or at least to to claim to build a black utopia while still actually subjecting your your black citizens or residents as a as a black I don't know ruler or or mayor or something? Well, yeah, like king uh, to, essentially. To, yeah, yeah, to to cruelty and exploitation, like similar to the kind that they might face under you know, the white people who typically rule these, these towns. Yeah. That is an interesting idea. Yeah. And they didn't do anything with any that. Time. We don't spend any time. No, which is maybe the biggest shame of all, I think. Yeah. Like, they're, everything from, like, yeah, that idea to this idea overall of what it means to create a Black Western, like, those could have fed into each other so well and so strongly. Mm-hmm. And it really, it mentioned that, it dropped that in, as like the the bare semblance of a I don't know motivation for the bad guys, yeah. and then uh, completely leaned away, went back to the the revenge plot slash like the 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 romance, and it's it's a real shame. I in a yeah. more maybe more experienced you know director and writer's hands or or someone just like with a, a keener eye for drawing out these larger larger themes and and resonances like it, I I really feel like it could have been great combined with all of the uh fun stylistic choices so yeah. it really just didn't gel together no in and this, it, in this one it's not to say that it has to be like a complete drama you know it's just that there is an element of melancholy in westerns and that's one of their strengths you know like loneliness um if you're doing it about a bunch of bandits like community brotherhood uh what it means to live in this like vast land and what it means for your humanity and like other other people it doesn't mm, there's like some elements of that but yeah like you said it's very reductive like the scenes are very reductive and Mm -hmm. you can maybe say that yeah in this scene they covered it but it's like well there's no dialogue yeah it's all kind of just like nodding to these uh tropes or like a recurring uh motifs in the genre yeah like it's it's like it, it kind of checking them off a list where it's yeah like, yeah yeah oh i know i'm supposed to you know portray this landscape there you go i know i'm supposed to have this stock character there you go but it's not yeah. really plumbing into the depths of like what those those mean and what they could be yeah I th- to me i just think this deserved a little bit more than than visuals and vibes the smallness feeling is definitely uh the set Definitely did not feel as expensive as it should be, but I think, I think I text this to you about, um, maybe you know, westerns back in the day were made constantly because they were cheap to do them on the studio lot, and I think now the audience today is expecting so much more, um, in terms of the world building and the music and the pit, like the needle drops are amazing, like all of that, but 
is that enough? Like, is yeah. that is that a film or is that just? It's a music. It's a music video. Yeah, yeah, more or less. Yeah, yeah. Um, which you know makes sense given the the creator's background. But totally, yeah. Um, I really like this review by critic Robert Daniels for Polygon, where he calls out this movie for being like a kind of an artificial western. He says this is like a basically a western rendered as a Netflix movie. Um, mm. very small very streaming friendly yeah kind of like sterile in a sense like yes. you have the set set pieces you have the costumes which could look really great but there's no dirt there's no, no. dust yeah. there's no grime there's none of the kind of like uh yeah things that made these scenes feel lived in yeah low he, let me quote this again like low impact high prestige easily digestible streaming project yes never has a western genre look so small and devoid of meaning i agree uh, very good review so agree I'll link that but, agree completely yeah. yeah yeah and this kind of leads to the larger question which we kind of we texted about a little bit poen but mm-hmm. yeah you asked like is western as a genre dying uh yeah. can these small like cheap feeling studio sets which used to work with the genre can they still satisfy a modern audience um mm-hmm. And yeah, I guess I, my theory was that maybe space is the new Western. Um, yeah. I mean, the Mandalorian, operas. the Mandalorian yeah. is effectively a Western, right? So. Yeah. Yeah. And like, um, you know, even Star Wars, like even, uh, what are the space sweepers that we talked about recently? Like yeah. all those cowboy bebop, like all these like things that are, it basically ex- just expands the, the universe uh, or the galaxy yeah. that that used to be like one desert i guess in the west yeah but still like very prominent are these these motifs of like the outlaw characters mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. uh of kind of like subverting authority and hero's journey in a sense like these yeah. all work in westerns and yeah yeah i think space as the new western maybe maybe This week in culture, the thing that everyone is talking about, of course, is Taylor Swift and her release of Taylor's version of her album Red. So as most people know, she's been re-recording all of her major works because she does not own the master recordings to those originals uh, because of a dispute with uh, basically a label like uh, Scooter Braun and uh, big master records like Scoot around basically uh, sold her her masters to to big master records and she's with Universal now so she's been on a quest to re-record all these songs from the past and re-release them update them uh, as Taylor versions right now so Red is the newest release and it has been setting the internet and culture on fire yeah. I guess like there's a huge reaction to it to the point where yeah I was confused because I was like is it a new to Taylor Swift release a new album because that's the only way I could think that yeah explains this huge like really colossal reaction to it yeah what it comes down to I guess is like what has people talking about the most is because uh of course like T Swift so many of her albums and songs are tied to her previous relationships and breakups and this current one that everyone's talking about or revisiting really is her previous relationship with Jake Gyllenhaal yes. when she was. Uh, maybe 20 or early 20s or something and he was uh older how older he was yeah, older he was, he older. was like a, <laughs> yeah maybe a decade or so older yeah. uh, or more than a decade older than her yeah and it's really coming to a head and fan culture stan culture is is calling for for jake gyllenhaal's head right now yeah so um <laughs> I just I just want to say I did not realize that I knew so many Swifties I don't know where the fuck they came out of. That's yeah. my biggest thing is 
No offense to Swifties. Out of just people you know, right? Yeah, dude, like my friends. Mm-hmm. I feel betrayed, Loki, because I just I feel like I haven't fully sat down and listened to one of her songs yeah. that I'm aware of. Maybe in a lift somewhere I did, and I just didn't realize it was her. But like, I'm not. I don't listen to her music, so I was just confused when this album came out. Everybody just celebrating it, and I just felt very betrayed by everyone. Um, <laughs> so, what's going on yeah. there? <laughs> and you also have a uh, bold take, which you tweeted. Yeah. Um, which is, I will say it's bold because it's very bold in this environment currently. Uh, you you said, I'm on Jake's side. I'm on Jake's side. And, of course, maybe that was a joke, <laughs> maybe not, but, uh, yeah, tell me what you're thinking. It's, Why, uh, yeah, what led to this very, very bold declaration? It's a, it's a joke because I could not care less about, yeah. uh, about any of this. It, again, shooting off from my feelings of betrayal about a bunch of people suddenly coming out declaring that they're Taylor Swift fans. What? Um, I was just like, all right, so wait, so this relationship happened 10 years ago and it lasted all of three months. And now, <laughs> and now what we're just meant to hate Jake Gyllenhaal. Again, I don't really care about Jake Gyllenhaal like that either. I think he's cute or whatever, but like the, just the whole stand culture of it, like everybody get a grip. I know it's fun. I know it's fun. I, like, again, it's all tongue in cheek. I get everybody's kind of joking around. I know we all collectively love to hate the ex because, you know, fuck him. My thing is that Jake is just minding his business, trying to act. <laughs> just like leave him, leave this man alone. And you know, Taylor Swift is just re-releasing her music. It's not like she fucking hates his guts or whatever. Um, I'm sure she finds meaning in her songs where she's like, "I'm gonna give this song to a bunch of women that need closure everywhere." You know, and sure, if that if a Taylor Swift song is what does it for you, absolutely, like go for it, babes. Um, but yeah, I'm just on Jake's side because like I don't I'm not a big Taylor Swift fan. I don't particularly like her. I find her kind of annoying actually. I think she's insincere. Um so that's kind of where I'm at and that's why I'm on Jake's side. So yeah, what about you? Do you yeah. carry the way? If not you had really. a side, would you pick like, one? I guess I'm in a similar boat where I don't really actively listen to Taylor Swift songs. I think probably she's had a couple of bangers that I have heard and I'm like, yeah, that's not bad. But yeah, I'm not a part of her, uh, I guess, like big fandom, which is like truly uh, ginormous at this point. Yeah. But it did strike me like as I've been lurking on the internet, as usual, th- this past week uh, on on Twitter, on, on TikTok, which is where, you know, I get most of my youth culture correspondence, just like how massive this is as like a cultural m- moment and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. how much people are making it into a thing of destroy Jake Gyllenhaal which of course like you mentioned it's all a big joke like it's not that serious but also like I don't know like stan culture and fan culture like things really like change at like the drop of a hat like I remember just a a few months ago people were loving Jake Gyllenhaal and loving that his role in like Marvel and and Spider-Man and everything and then now a similar demographic of people like these <laughs> the same demographic of people are like yeah. dissecting uh the new 10 minute long music video that taylor swift released yeah um wherein she, she like betra- portrays uh with a younger actress and an older actor like she portrays like uh ostensibly this this previous relationship with jake gyllenhaal yeah. where there was like the age gap and everything and now people are like dissecting every minute oh of my it God, and, it's like nuts. 
Jake is essentially a placeholder for everybody's ex, so I get the, yeah. the the rabid hatred that's going on towards him. I also think that Jake has probably got an issue with dating women his own age, because yeah. I think his like current he, girlfriend uh, is also early 20s. 20, 25 or something yeah. right now, and he's in his late 30s or 40 by now, I don't know. By probably 40, but like, we'll all get over it. <laughs> and to all my friends that have just come out as Taylor Swift fans, like, how dare you? Like, how could you? So... <laughs> Just a heads up, guys, next week we're off, so we will see you in two weeks' time. And if you are watching, in that meantime, by all means, tell us. If you're watching anything that you think we should check out, please let us know at criticismisdead at gmail.com. At us, DM us at criticismisdead on Twitter and Instagram. For extended show notes, including links to everything that we've been talking about and more, please subscribe to criticismisdead.substack.com. As always, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Swing us that five stars and tell a friend about us. Thank you so much, guys. See you in two weeks. Criticism is Dead is produced by Pelin Keskin-Lu and Jenny Gijon. Our music is by Rika. Our artwork and design are by Sarah Macias and Andrew Luke.